Welcome to Ex Libris On Air and the stories behind the stories of today's literature and their authors. Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. Another in the series of quirky tales is the book titled Sagebrush and the Butterfly Creek Flood. And joining me from Colorado is award-winning author Joni Franks. Welcome to the program, Joni. Good morning, Jay. Thank you for having me. It's good to visit with you. We have talked before. This is another in the series. Uh, apparently, since our conversation last time, you have won many awards uh, related to your series, uh, including the uh, the fact that you are the American Fiction Award. You've won that for Children's Picture Book in Soft Cover and, and other awards. What is motivating you to, to share these stories about Corky? Well, I have to tell you that uh, the inspiration for this book, which is the fourth book in the Corky Tales, Tales of a Tailless Dog Named Sagebrush book collection, which is Sagebrush and the Butterfly Creek Flood, was inspired by the big cottonwood flood in Colorado that occurred 10 miles from my home. Uh, This flood was a direct result of the 2016 Hayden Pass fire. Mm. And, Jay, I watched as my friends and neighbors lost their homes, and the geography of this place is forever changed by the powerful debris flow that has repeatedly marred the big cottonwood area. And so I wrote a book about it. Uh, you have uh, used as your main character uh, a, a dog, a pooch, uh, a wonderful mm-hmm. pet uh, that you have named Corky. Is Corky also a real-life dog? Corky Tales is a silly name for a corgi, and that that name comes from the story of the first first book when the little dog is born without a tail and the other dogs make fun of her and they call her a corgi. You're not even a real Welsh corgi, you're just a corgi. Mm. But my inspiration for, for the, all of the books is my real-life dog, which is, a, which is Sagebrush, and she's a Welsh corgi. Oh, phenomenal. Phenomenal. This book is 54 pages. Does that follow the same general format of your first book? And uh, if so, uh, who did you write it for? What was your, your thinking behind that? Who do you think is uh, going to find this an attractive read? Well, this book is longer than the others. Uh, Generally, my books are 36 pages. I had more to say in this book. Um, So, yes, it's longer, so I added more illustrations. But when asked about my age range for my book collection, I answer from 5 to 91, as my youngest fans who can't read will memorize portions of the book when read to. And my oldest fan is 91, and I'm very proud to say that's Queen Elizabeth in England. She is in receipt of my books and is a fan of Corky Tales. Of course, we all know she's a Corky lover. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. How did did she obtain a copy of that? How was that possible? Well, I actually, I, I, I read a book about her. I had not really followed the Queen in my life, you know, going to work, doing things, you know, and really can't say I was a follower of the Queen, but I recently read her life story. It was very impressive. Mm. And I looked at her in a different light, not just a figurehead. And anyway, as a gift to her last Christmas, I sent her the collection and thanked her for the difference she had made in the world and just sent them to her. And I was amazed to get back a letter from, I got Royal Mail. I always laugh and say I was the only one in Howard, Colorado to get Royal Mail that day. And I received a letter from Queen Elizabeth's uh, lady-in-waiting, who's been with her for 60 years, and her is her most trusted confidant. 
and she wrote me a, a heartfelt letter, and I have it all framed in my office. Wow, <laughs> wow. that's that is impressive. Now your writing uh, career, how how long have you been doing so? Uh, less than two years. All that's of those amazing. books, the four books, have been published in less than 24 months. So I was in the business world prior to and retired from that. So this is a new venture for me. So not all that long. Uh, this particular book, Sagebrush and the Butterfly Creek Flood, um, how long did it take to write? And, and you know, what do you want to share as far as uh, an inspiration f- to the reader? I mean, what, what do you want them to take away from this uh, this particular story? Well, as with all my books, Jay, uh, Sagebrush, the Tailless Puppy, continues the learning journey and she absorbs important life lessons and the problems and challenges that we all face along the way. And the example is that these problems will be solved with kindness and love. This book uh, has a lesson of faith, having faith in yourself, and is paired with a message that all lives matter equally, no matter one's age, one's size, or even species. And um, I would like that my, for my readers to take away that by having faith in yourself, there is absolutely nothing in the world that you can't accomplish. And it's my belief that uh, honoring all creatures equally leads to a kinder and more sustainable way of living. I will say this one took me a little bit longer to write. Um, I worked on it off and on for some months, which is kind of unusual. Mm. And the reason being is... Um, this is a search and rescue adventure, and I wasn't quite sure how the, that was going to all play out. I had these all these magnificent scenarios that really in the end weren't needed, and I kept it much simpler. So it did take me a while to concoct that plan, but maybe six months to, to get that all down. That's incredible. The, uh, the, the scene that you uh, created in this book, which one of them is going to stand out to the reader, do you think? Well, if I could, I'll just read the opening line from the book, and and the story begins. Uh, Fat black thunderclouds billowed high in the Rocky Mountain sky, foreshadowing that a stormy weather day was already brewing on the cattle ranch, where Sagebrush, the tailless puppy, and her parents, Maverick and Ginger, slept in their warm, cozy doggy beds. So the readers can follow Sagebrush and the young miss in this search-and-rescue adventure to save a lost hiker and the tiny people who are known as shuns from the rising waters Mm. of Butterfly Creek. And I believe that this is a charming tale, and it won't soon be forgotten. Beautiful. Now, the shuns were also in your first book. Uh, Do I remember that correctly? Shuns are in the last three books. Wow. (laughs) And what what or who is a shun? Shuns are tiny little people like you and I, but they live in the forest. They're very shy. They've been made homeless due to the giant tree-cutting machines, and uh, they're looking for a way to survive because humans have taken away their homes and the food they need to survive by cutting the trees down. So they're out there in the world, too, trying to survive, and and as all my books, you know, except for the first one, which is the introductory book, but they all follow the Shuns theme and the things that they go through. And the shuns came to me in a dream some decades ago, and it's just now that I've had time to actually put that down on paper. So I dreamed about them. <laughs> wow. I, the, the, <laughs> the idea of introducing this to someone that doesn't know Joni Franks, how do they, how do they uh, discover what this book is about if you were to introduce them to it? 
So I would say about this book, it, it begins, there is a hiker in the Rocky Mountains, and he's in the forest. He loses his balance, and he falls into a rushing stream, putting his life at risk. To save himself, he grasps a miner's lettuce plant that the shuns, or the little people, are also gathering for food. And then a tailless dog named Sagebrush and her parents, Maverick and Ginger, who live on the young Mrs. Cattle Ranch, hear the struggle. And they concoct a plan to save both the hiker and the shuns. So the question is, will the plan work? Will they save the whole group? Or will the hikers and the, uh, hiker and the shuns suffer a tragic fate? Mm. <laughs> now, this is a, a, a well-traveled area, children's books. What makes your books and uh, the story of uh, your wonderful uh, hero in the story, what makes it different? Well, I believe that just recently I've been able to answer that question a little more thoroughly um, because I believe my books are being singled out now for excellence and that my message is truly being heard. My second book in the Quirky Tales, Tales of a Tailless Dog Named Sagebrush, which is Sagebrush Meets the Shuns, was the winner of the American Fiction Award for Best Children's Picture Book Soft Cover of 2018. So I have to say thank you, American Book Fest, for this absolutely incredible honor. Um, This very same book has received three Evie Awards, and those were from Colorado Independent Publishers Association, and we won in three categories. So it was Animals, Pets, and Nature, Fairy Tale, Folklore, Mythology, and Children's Storybook. So in my opinion, the Evie Award wins were very special to me as this book crossed genre lines, receiving awards in adult categories. And I'm also honored to say that my first book, Gorky Tales, Tales of a Tales Dog Named Sagebrush, is featured this month in the November-December 2018 issue of Cowgirl Magazine with a stellar review that will bring a tear to your eyes. So if there are any fans out there of Cowgirl Magazine, there's a lovely article featuring my book. Uh, The newest book, Sagebrush, Fresh Blood that's just been out a few weeks has already received the Pacific Book Review Star for Excellent Merit. So all of these things that have happened to me in the last 60 days give me the validation that I needed to continue with my writing. Well, congratulations. Uh, this Thank is a you. wonderful journey that you're on as an author, and I'm assuming, because that's what I do, that you, <laughs> you are enjoying what you're doing. Uh, it, it's my mission. I've, I've got a passion. It's, I'm driven, and uh, I'm, I want to be heard. I feel like the, the, the new generation needs to hear my message. I have no problem about you know, letting it be heard. I want to be heard, and um, this is how I want to spend what years I have left doing this. I think it, I, it's important to try to make a difference in the world. Are there any words that are being fed back to you from uh, interviewers and, and, and from, from uh, reviewers of your books that would describe the characters. Are there two or three words that sort of repeat themselves or at least in your mind you think are being validated? Sure. I I think as far as the story is concerned, if I had to pick three words to describe it, I would say search and rescue adventure. Hmm. Um, As far as the characters are concerned, the message is threefold, and the message there is faith, it's equality, and justice. Beautiful. 
you make it look and sound like it's a walk in the park. Just a ple- <laughs> pleasure to do and no challenge whatsoever. But I'm sure with the story you have uh, shared, there must have been some challenges. Uh, were, were there challenges with the, uh, let's say, the illustrations or anything else that you've encountered so far? Um, I'm just blessed with these illustrations. Because of that, I, I self-publish through Exlibris. I control my illustrations. I'm able to pick out the characters uh, from, that I want and, and give the images for every single thing in that book to my illustrator, we're on the same page, Raquel Rodriguez. Um, she can take my pictures. I write the scene depiction, and I, she tweaks it a little bit, and, and we've got it. So I have complete control. If I gave you my story and said, could you illustrate it, Jay, you would see it completely different than oh, I. And absolutely. I might be looking at those illustrations mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't know. I, I, I had a whole other vision. So that's just really important to me to be able to control um, the illustrations without having the gift of that type of artist. But as far as challenging, I would say that would probably be the most challenging. And then again, I was trying to make the actual rescue more difficult than it needed to be. But uh, otherwise, I would say it isn't all that challenging. Um, all the books in the Corky Tales, Tales of a Tailless Dog Named Sagebrush book collection are a labor of love written directly from my heart. And as I said earlier, my goal is to teach a new generation moral lessons and problem-solving techniques based on kindness and love. Beautiful. And is there anything else that you want the listener to know about you or your books that maybe we've missed so far? If I could just touch on the theme of each of the previous three books, because Mm. each one has a timely human theme. The first book in the Quirky Tales collection that sets the scene for the character's addresses the theme of labeling and bullying when the little ranch dog is born without a tail and is judged by her dog peers as having no worth. And together with the help of the young miss, she overcomes this. And this same book addresses preconceived notions about women being ranchers. Um, My second book, Sagebrush Meets the Shuns, which is the award winner now, and it introduces the little people that are known as the shuns who have been made homeless due to the giant tree-cutting machines that are clear-cutting the forest. This book uh, addresses environmental issues as well as homelessness. Mm. And then the third book, Sagebrush and the Smoke Jumper, was inspired by the Hayden Pass Fire, uh, 2016. It has a forest fire prevention message and offers the homeless orphan shun known as Juniper Berry a new beginning and a chance to live out her dreams. And one thing about that book that holds a special place in my heart is um, I sell that book to a lot of firefighters and smoke jumpers. Wonderful. And that means a great deal to me, particularly these times we're living in, to know that the brave and fearless smoke jumpers are reading my book. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. And the reader or the listener can can find your books by just doing a search under Corky Tales. You've done a beautiful job of weaving that particular character into all four of the current books, current reads. The title of this one is Sagebrush and the Butterfly Creek Flood. Where do they get copies of this, Joni? They can go to my website, which is my name, uh, com, and that is spelled J-O-N-I-F-R-A-N-K-S.com, and there are links there for all the books as well as uh, reviews, and there are some uh, 
videos that have been created that are quite fun to watch and, of course, links to purchase. And then, again, these books can be purchased through Barnes & Noble, Amazon. They're available through Goodreads and and many other online vendors. Absolutely great. And they can request it from their local bookseller if they have a favorite seller in the area just by uh, asking about Corky Tales. And this one particularly... Sagebrush and the Butterfly Creek Flood. Joni Franks, my guest from Colorado, thank you for joining me today and sharing your story. I am confident that we'll be talking again about Aww. the next in the edition. Hopefully, Aww. best of luck with thank this one. Thank you so much, Jay. It was a pleasure. My pleasure. For Ex Libris On Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Congratulations on getting your book published. The effort you put into your work is truly commendable. But what's next? What will happen to all the knowledge you have worked so hard to acquire to produce your book? Here at Toginet Radio, we can provide you a platform to keep your knowledge working for you through the power of podcast. The subjects our podcasts cover are as varied as the grains of sand on a beach. From life coaching to military resources to business success, even to the paranormal. We have a place for everyone. To get started on your next step, call Scott at 903-787-5880 or email him at scott at toginetradio.com. That's S-C-O-T-T at T-O-G-I-N-E-T-R-A-D-I-O dot com. Back to Ex Libris. Greetings for Ex Libris on air. This is Jay Douglas Barker. The book title is Retribution. And joining me from the Northwest in the United States of America is author Philip Barnard. Welcome, sir, to the program. Thank you. This is uh, is this a first novel for you, or have you written other pieces that have uh, been out there? My very first novel. Very first novel. Uh, I've noticed that you've taken a... uh, uh, How would you describe your book? I I don't want to describe it for you. How would you describe the the contents and the the method that you use to create this storyline? Well, it took uh, three years of writing. It's um, a uh, fictional history. Uh, Some of the events uh, that uh, occur in in the book really happened in terms of our world history, and uh, the rest of it is uh, totally fictional. I'm a clinical psychologist by profession, and I've been practicing for 55 years, and so um, I had a wide range of uh, experiences with uh, many, many patients over the years. And uh, authors, uh, of course, like any kind of creative work, whether it's painting or writing or whatever, uh, have to rely on uh, some of their experiences. Mm. And so uh, that's what I did. But your main character apparently uh, was involved in a murder of some type. And uh, does this also uh, reflect real life uh, experience or is this uh, something that is unique to this story? No, it's real life experience. I've done uh, about 15 murder cases as part of my practice, clinical practice. Wow. Well, 
your main character, uh, that's uh, Dr. Jack, who is also a clinical psychologist. Uh, share a little about where this story takes place and uh, how people are going to uh, to be engaged in the storyline. Well, the story takes place in um, Madison, Wisconsin, which is uh, I'm very familiar with because it, as a uh, uh, grandchild, I spent summers there with my grandparents. And uh, it just seemed like a natural kind of uh, um, location to uh, uh, kind of set the uh, storyline. And um, Dr. Jack is a uh, clinical psychologist, of course. And he's uh, uh, deeply troubled by uh, events that have happened uh, in his past. This is all, that's fictional part. And um, he uh, sets about to uh, try to solve a mystery um, with his therapist support and his wife's support. And uh, he really has been avoiding uh, exploring the details of it. Uh, he... Uh, uh, exhibits uh, what's called a post-traumatic uh, stress disorder, and that's a, a clinical uh, diagnosis that most people are familiar with. Yes. Where uh, he uh, witnessed his uh, parents being murdered as a five-year-old, and he has recurring uh, nightmare content to that that is very troubling for him. And he has not been able to resolve that even with therapy. So he's encouraged by... Uh, his therapist and his wife uh, to um, explore the details more and try to solve try to solve the mystery. Now, the picture, the photo on the front that is part of the uh, the novel, I guess, uh, does not depict, at least I, that I can recall, a uh, a a site that would be in the United States. Is that European in its uh, design? So, Sonnenstein, uh, Germany which is a real place in Germany. Yes. And the uh, Sonnenstein Castle, uh, which is where the part of the story of a contemplative occurs, uh, was, was and is a famous uh, psychiatric rehabilitation facility. And uh, it is one of the, uh, this is the reality part of it. Um, Hitler made it one of uh, his five euthanasia um, centers. Wow. So he added, he added a specific building that uh, was used as a, a euthanasia uh, uh, chamber. And so part of the story uh, takes place there in Sonnenstein, Germany, because Dr. Jack finds out um, through uh, rifling through uh, old photographs from his family history. His family is uh, German by origin. A uh, picture of a, a distant cousin that he knew nothing about, and he finds out that this cousin was uh, also a psychologist and actually worked at the Sonnenstein. Wow! So yeah. Doctor Jack has to pursue that and actually goes to Germany a couple of times. First, uh, under the uh, ruse that he's on a sabbatical from his um, appointment as a psychologist at the University of Wisconsin. Uh, that he's uh, uh, exploring different uh, psychiatric facilities in uh, Europe. And uh, so he, he goes to the Sonnenstein and uh, tries to track down um, his uh, distant cousin that he knew nothing about. Um, 
before the story started. The the story uh, is is recounted or told over a, a relatively short amount of space, at least page wise. As an author, did you intentionally make it a short read of eighty seven or ninety pages or so? Um, no, that's just the way it turned out. And actually, the the book was uh, uh, as I was writing. You know, some some authors uh, outline their their book. Uh, before they start and others just uh, start and then they just go with the flow with creative ideas. And that's, right. that's the way I did it. Um, and I, I made many changes in it and uh, just, just kind of went with the flow. I was going to ask how long it took to complete that. Three years. There were many, there were many changes in the plot and the, in terms of what happened. And I, uh, as I was writing it, uh, I actually, uh, thought that I would end the book at a, at a shorter place uh, than I did. And then more ideas started coming to me, and uh, I added a whole d- d- dimension to it. So, Well, Dr. Barnard, have, have you always had that uh, creative itch? Uh, being a clinical psychologist, I'm not sure uh, whether it falls in that uh, category of being creative. Uh, it's a little unusual. Did you, did you always uh, have the desire to express yourself creatively as an author? Yes, I uh, actually wrote a short story in um, high school, which I submitted to a publisher, uh, not knowing that uh, um, you needed an agent to do that. And I got a very nice letter back from the publisher saying, we can't accept uh, unsolicited uh, manuscripts. Oh. Um, as a psychologist, uh, I'm, I'm a forensic psychologist as well as clinician, which means that hmm. uh, I end up in a courtroom a lot. So I do evaluations for the court, for attorneys on um, insanity, diminished capacity, um, as well as in uh, civil cases, in divorce and child custody and that sort of thing. And during my practice, uh, I would uh, literally produce probably 200 pages of uh, dictation a week. My goodness. And so with, with, with each case, uh, you're really telling a life story. To the court or to the attorneys about the particular case, and uh, I would approach each one with uh, trying to enlighten the lawyer, lawyers and the courts as to why the person uh, did what they did, specifically the murder cases, because those were were very interesting to me. Did you in this uh, novel? Did you create some what I would call a- action scenes, or is this character driven? Uh, it's character-driven, yeah. Uh, and any interest, uh, do you think, down the road that maybe this might be ado- adapted for television or maybe the movie screen? Oh, I would love it, yes, absolutely. Um, I, I think it would be um, an excellent movie. I've actually uh, started a second novel that I've um, made it a sequel where Dr. Jack continues um, with his uh, life story after... Um, resolving the issue in in this first book. Wonderful. So, uh, there's going to be a Dr. Jack number two. So, And ha- have you had uh, the opportunity to uh, share the story uh, in print with others, and have you received any feedback on, uh, on how they have uh, been responsive? Very positive feedback. I had a, a book signing. My, my secretary, my office manager, owns a uh, uh, home decorating store in downtown Kennewick, where I was practicing. 
and I had a book signing there, and it was very well received. I got very positive feedback. Fantastic, fantastic. There must be maybe an underlying uh, theme, message, or moral to the story, I'm guessing. Uh, Most novels do have that. Does yours also follow that pattern? Absolutely. And what would that be? That would be uh, Dr. Jack uh, is uh, a passionate, um, moralistic, uh, ethical um, individual who is uh, driven by his ethics and his morality. And so he uh, discovers that uh, he he has to, he really doesn't have any choice, that he has to right the wrongs that were done um, by the uh, cousin that he found out of actually existed. Interesting. And that would perhaps uh, be the reason for the title? Or is it uh, another reason besides that for retribution? No, that's the reason for the title. Yeah, he has to. Uh, feels like he has to atone for uh, um, a terrible wrong that his uh, one of his family members committed. So, well, fascinating. Uh, congratulations on completing this, and uh, sounds like you ha- are venturing into uh, an additional career to what you've already experienced in life. This this uh, should be fascinating to read. It's only eighty five or eighty five eighty five or or ninety pages. Uh, and yet you right. have uh, jam-packed it with a lot of uh, excitement and a lot of uh, character study because of your background. Uh, the title of the book, again, is Retribution. And my guest has been author Dr. Philip Barnard. Sir, there are many out there who will want to get a copy of your book. How do they do so? Ex Laborist uh, Publisher. Uh, it's available on uh, Amazon in uh, Kindle, paperback, hard copy. Barnes and Noble has it, and we're just entering the uh, phase where it's going to uh, be out in bookstores, and uh, an audio uh, uh, version will be produced. Ah. And I'm going to be the uh, I'm going to be the reader in the audio part. Fantastic, fantastic! Again, the spelling of Dr. Barnard is Philip P H I L I P, last name B A R N A R D pronounced Barnard. Sir, I look forward to talking with you perhaps in the future, because it sounds like you are on your way to creating an interesting side career, if nothing else. And this, again, is a Jack Sanders novelette, novelette, and uh, they will enjoy reaching out to you on the Internet by doing a search under your name. Thank you, sir, for joining me today. Thank you. My pleasure for Ex Libras on air. This is J. Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Only once every few years does a show come along that makes you think, makes you care, makes you believe the impossible. A show featuring only the best in writing, acting, and directing. Until that show comes along, we suggest Paranoria, Texas. Thrilled to the adventures of six super-powered nerds on a never-ending quest to take over the world and to complete their collection of She-Hulk comics. Paranoria, Texas, Monday nights at 8 p.m. Central on AstronetRadio.com. Welcome back to Ex Libris. Greetings for Ex Libris on Air. This is J. Douglas Parker. The book title is Hot Horse Harry, 
And joining me from near Chicago in the United States of America is author Jerry Lee Miller. Welcome, sir, to the program. Yes. G- good, to, good to visit with you. Uh, tell me a little of your background. Uh, have you always been an author, or, or is this something new to you? Uh, I have not always been an author. I'm actually 41 years old right now. and But the first time I ever uh, got the feeling of being an author was in the fourth grade, where we were expected to write a tall tale to, yeah, yeah, to get our skills going, and then I wrote this one story in school that ended up giving me a nickname for the rest of that year, and it just kind of, it's always been in me, and I've wrote a hundred stories in my mind that I never got on paper, hmm. and, but finally, a few years ago, it was actually when my own kids were going through the same thing, and they had a contest in school. And I was expected to help them with the short story writings, and then we I got into short story writing, and that's how I got into this little children's books. And I just started, and I haven't been able to stop since. <laughs> well, that's a that's a good sideline, if nothing else. At least it keeps you you uh, uh, creatively entertained and keeps your children. Uh, entertained i'm sure you it shows on the back of your book that you have eight children is that uh the case that's correct that's phenomenal well there's lots yeah. of fodder for stories just from from that environment i'm sure the the book yep. itself how long did it take to write and is this one that you mentioned you had uh, several stories from from maybe back in your history uh is this book one that you have uh have uh, massaged or or worked on for a while or was this a, a new project for you from uh, from your history this was a new project, and this is actually the initial, the first, the very first draft of this story. Actually, only took me two hours to write. Mm. I just, uh, I actually asked one of my kids what he wanted me to write about, and he said a horse. Uh-huh. And so, two hours later. I had the first draft done. And was it in rhyme at that time? Because this book uh, of uh, 30-some pages is in rhyme. Yes, it did rhyme. Wow. Well, that's that's impressive, too. The The story itself is, uh, we won't give away the, the, the punchline of this, but it's about a horse. It's about uh, aggravation in his uh, existence and how he overcomes it. Would that be the underlying theme of your of your book? The aggravation of the horse. Yeah, right. Yeah. And what is yeah, the, would. yeah, what's the message you're, you are trying to convey with that? Or did you intend to uh, to have an underlying message for kids and people who read it? The I guess the underlying message is to not get let your anger get the best of you, or it will, or it might get some long range results that are not good at all. And uh, just to reveal a little more of that, uh, this also impacted those who are close to Harry uh-huh. with uh, with water, rain, and some other uh, uncomfortable situations. Yeah, the illustrations. Uh, did you did you do you didn't do the illustrations yourself? Did you direct those? Uh, how complicated was that? Uh, that was actually more complicated than writing the book. <laughs> <laughs> I spent more time. Uh, 
telling them how I wanted the illustrations than I spent in writing that first draft. Is that right? Which revising uh, took a lot of time. Probably took more time than doing the illustrations thing, but but to write the first draft was not a problem. The horse, uh, the, the horse character in the book, Harry, uh, looks very. Um, I don't know. He, he kind of draws you in. The, the, the sketching and the artistry certainly blends with the uh, with the uh, story very well. Uh, how long did it take to to go from writing the story to getting this published to getting it out into the marketplace? Oh, well, I wrote the story the same week that I did my first book, and so it was actually probably close to three years. Wow. Because it took two years after I had submitted the first book to Dorrance before they actually had it published. Mm. So it wasn't until a year later that that this one was published. And so it was pretty close to three years you, later. Yeah, you have you have highlighted or not highlighted, but billboarded this as the Pitchfork Farm series. My presumption is right. that this is not going to be the last. You're going to be doing more yeah. in this series. There will be more if I can. Yeah, if I can be uh, get somebody to to get this thing going. If if this book does well, and it seems like people want it. I have more in my mind. Fabulous. I just haven't written them down yet. Have Have you been able to share this? Uh, you know, some authors, and I know you have uh, a side career in addition to being an author, so it uh, it might be more complicated for you to do so. But have you been able to to maybe read this story to a group of children, or has it just been uh, released so that's not been possible? Uh, it has actually. It's only been released. Uh, I'm in my mind three months, but it might have been longer than that because right. I know how time flies. Uh, but uh, pretty close to three months, I think. And I haven't done that because uh, I was—I actually had two side jobs. Wow! And I haven't done very much of that. But with the the one side job has slowed down to where it's almost nothing lately. So yeah, I don't know if I will get to that point here shortly or not. Uh, so, yeah, some authors will, will um, maybe engage uh, the audience by going to a uh, maybe a grade school uh, assembly or a schoolroom and read and share their their desire to be an author and also share the story with uh, with children to, to get a first-hand response from them. So that may be something that will come up in the future. That I know the libraries also will uh, will allow an author or someone to read uh, children's stories. So that's, uh, I'm sure, something that will come in the future. You, uh, you uh, are enjoying being an author, I'm guessing. Uh, you've always had this creative bend. What is the next step? What after this book is successful, uh, you you plan to release others in this series? Will they all deal with Harry the Horse, or will there be other characters that you will? Uh, uh, there will that will be the only. I'm not saying necessarily the only one about the horse, but it'll be about another horse, the same farm, but it'll be a different character. Greedy Glenn is actually the one I have in uh-huh. mind to for the next one. Uh, Jerry, uh, I understand you also have uh, some books on the sideline that you have completed but haven't released yet and uh, that you may be going after at some point an older audience. Uh, Share with my listeners a little of that story as well. 
Yeah, I've just kind of gone with the the younger children's books. I wanted that to get me started, get me on my feet, and kind of once I can quit my other job and go go to completely just writing books, then I like to get get that in. Yeah, maybe do three or four children's books a year and then one adult book a year. Well, fabulous. That's a great aspiration, and I wish you well in that. It's a charming story. The The artwork, again, is uh, very engaging. It draws you into the storyline, and the fact that it's in rhythmic poetry is also a charming aspect of your book. The book title, again, is Hot Horse Harry, and I won't tell the listeners what the story is about because they need to get a copy of their own and to read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, children, grandchildren, uh, just anybody that has uh, a young, youthful attitude, they'll find this story engaging. How do they get a copy of this? It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's available at Libris, and it's also available at Letcher Press. Fantastic. They also can uh, request this from their local bookseller if they do a search and go in and say, uh, do you have any books that are written by Jerry Lee Miller? And if they do that, the uh, proprietor or the owner of the store can can order in Hot Horse Harry. Uh, if they go online, they, I'm sure, can get a glimpse of some of the storyline on Amazon or one of the other uh, one of the other booksellers. Or providers, uh, thank you for sharing your story today. I, I appreciate the the fact that uh, we were able to get together and talk about this. Again, this is uh, one of the first stories in the Pitchfork Farm series. Uh, it's hard to say when you're trying to say it in a hurry. Yeah. Uh, Pitch, <laughs> Pitchfork Farm series. Uh, look forward to the next edition or the next in uh, installment once it's completed. And uh, wish you the best uh, in in your pursuit as an author. Thank you for joining me today. You bet. My pleasure for Ex Libris on Air. This is Jay Douglas Barker. 